<laughs> Welcome into another amazing episode of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. I'm Rob Wall. I'm Dylan Pond. Bo Freeborn over here. We got our beers popped, and we've been looking forward to this episode, to be honest with you, all week, ever since this last weekend, where we got to see the Hawkeyes uh, take on the Maryland Terrapins at home at Kinnick Stadium. Um, And so we're definitely going to get into a little bit of a recap of that game. Um, We're not going to take too much time on it, because we do definitely want to get into this week's matchup against the Penn State Nittany Lions. So thank you for joining us. Um, We're excited to be here. Um, I don't know any sort of housekeeping items we need to touch base with. I think we're going to start a, uh, a brew tour um, coming up here in the next few um, episodes. So uh, we're, we'll be um, you know, going to some different um, places of business, bars, uh, restaurants, have a few beers, um, you know, to get out into the, uh, into the communities a little bit and record our podcast. So if you see us, make sure to say hi. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I think we're going to be down probably starting around the North Liberty area. So if you guys are out at a couple of nice bars down there, you may see Hawkins and Tall Boys, us three, in action. Probably no football helmets, but we'll be out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's one of those things we've talked about a little bit here, guys. And I'm kind of thinking maybe like a little Johnson County brew tour where we just go around. And I mean, I still think we stick to our signature bush light and all, but um, that way I get the name out there a little bit. You know what I really would like to do, it would be hilarious, is if we made it out to that, uh, we did a Hawkeyes and Tall Boys road trip and went to the Council Buffs bar to see that and take pictures with that corn Red cooler, cooler, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I bet that bad boy's empty after Nebraska put the beating on the boat row. And it wasn't even close either. That was an no. absolute beating beat uh, Minnesota this weekend. So you know, good for them, though. And as good much as I hate Nebraska, gosh, you got to sure love listening to P.J. Flett go down in that douchey tie and <laughs> i just hate that guy yep. Yep. <laughs> so um without further ado we'll just jump right into it this last week and obviously you heard uh nebraska ended up coming up with their first one of the season um and then also iowa put away the maryland terrapins in a pretty one-sided um uh, game 23-0 was the final score um guys what were your thoughts on that we can start with dill you know so i i won't lie to you listeners you know this this isn't like me but um, had had to sacrifice watching, going and watching this game for my buddy P. Wags out there, who's a weekly listener, but he's getting married this weekend, and we celebrated his bachelor party by uh, shooting each other with some paintballs. So, um, <laughs> you know, I was getting updates on my phone and, you know, checking those. But, you know, the one big highlight I took away was, you know, Iowa continuing this running back by committee trend. And... You know, I think they rushed for total total of 224 yards with Ivory Kelly Martin carrying the bulk of those with 24 carries and 98 yards. Um, so still have yet to have a Hawkeye running back hit that 100-yard mark. But, you know, when we're doing it by committee, I know I'm pretty sure I compare us to that New England Patriots offense about once a week. And, um, yeah, I think we're continuing to do that, and I, I like it. I really like it. You know, Dill, I have to add on to that, too. Love the point of the committee. But, you know, also with the weather conditions we had this weekend, it was nasty. I know I tailgated and had a great time. Also, happy homecoming Hawks. Came away with a nice win there, too. Um, but, yeah, the, the wind was swirling quite a bit, especially coming in the stadium. Thankfully for that new addition on the north side, it wasn't that bad where we saw that very impressive catch for a touchdown with uh, Brandon Smith. Incredible, that was a great catch. Incredible one-handed catch. But I think the biggest thing is we dominated the offense and defensive line. 
dominated the trenches. And I think that's what uh, overall led us to winning that game. You know, to start, you guys saw the, the first two drives, um, the first drive ending in an interception, but we shoved it right down their throat with no no hesitation at all. Mm-hmm. And then the second drive, obviously, came away with the field goal. Third drive came away with the field goal, too. But, man, you, you look at that, we could be up 21 nothing based off just our running plays going back to Iowa football winning from the trenches. You know, and preparing for those, what was it, averaging between 25 and 35 miles an hour with the occasional 45 to 50 mile per hour gusts, you can't practice for that all week long. We had a little bit of wind throughout the week, but nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's impossible to practice for, and that's just one of those reactionary things where, you know, like you see Stanley throwing that pick on the first drive. You know, I don't take that into account too much, and, you know, having some miscues on those next couple drives – you know, I'm I'm not too upset about that by any means because I feel like the Hawks responded well. Mm-hmm. And then we got to look obviously the defensive performance, guys. Uh, we, we had the up front, the front line played just stupid well against a good Maryland team that loves to run. The trickeration outside the lines play. Parker Hesse had a huge sack. I know uh, Jamon Colbert had a couple really nice plays on the outside. Digimon. Digimon. Yeah. <laughs> the linebackers. Just, everyone played well. Um, and I think there was a stat out there that Maryland only. Had the ball across the 50-yard line twice in the Iowa territory. Two plays that whole game. So you got to credit that defense for putting Maryland in terrible situations and also recovering that fumble in the end zone. Yeah. And just to go a little bit farther on that, guys, I know we mentioned a stat last week about um, so far this season, Iowa opponents and the uh, opposing team's uh, quarterback rating. Um, and this one was no different, as you could probably expect with uh, sh- uh, the shutout. Uh Kasim Hill or Kasim uh, Hill ended with a 7.6 QBR, if you can believe it. Oh, single 7.6. digits. Yeah. What is the highest you can have? Isn't it like 180.6 or something random like that? It's some, some high. Okay. I thought it was over 160 for sure. Okay. Yeah. I We can double check to see what yeah. exactly that is. But, I mean, 6 for 15 for 47 yards and an interception, basically, well, is his say, game. What was Stanley's QBR? Um, he finished with 72.4. Um 11 for 22, 86 yards in the touchdown, and he did throw that interception as well, which has come to, you know, I hate to say this, but it seems to be like maybe sort of his calling card. He's got a, he's got a couple of great plays that he makes. He made a great throw to Brandon Smith where he made that unbelievable catch. He kind of led him into the corner of the end zone there. But, um, you know, then they had a, a, a play where he, it reminded me a little bit of the zone blitz of the week prior. It was I don't think it was a blitz, but it was almost in the same spot, like a very short throw right in front of him. And uh, defender just jumped up. And you know, I got one thing to say about that, and you guys can argue with me all day about this too, but, you know, it's it's almost like a soft, sophomore slump. How many interceptions did he have last year? Like a total of five or six. Now yeah. he's already got five or six. But he's still, six. I, I think he's he's beating the odds already this year. Like that sophomore slump he's throwing, I think he's throwing more touchdowns at this point this year than he did last year. And he's looking like he's in full stride right now. So that sophomore slump starting to come back. Um, you know, as far as the bad plays or miscues then too, but uh, but absolutely crushing it right now, throwing throwing good balls and and throwing touchdowns too. Mm-hmm. And I think last year you saw a lot more of a conservative Nate Stanley. I agree. Where, you know, that's kind of why his you know touchdown to interception ratio I think was so good. Whereas this year, you know, he's got the talent where he can take a few more chances. You know, I mean, you still have those safety blankets in Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson, but now. You know, he can take a few more risks, throwing deep down the field to Smith-Marset, Brandon Smith. Well, should even the tight ends, too? Yeah. It seems like they've been running seam rounds left and right. They can get, right. they can get the ball down the field. Yeah. yeah, when you got guys like that catching the ball, I mean, it's not – I mean, give them the ball and, you know, just watch them go. 
I can tell you just from looking at last year versus this year, last year he did have 26 touchdowns and six interceptions, but he's on pace to be above that this year. He's got 16 already, but he already has six picks. Um, so he's just matched where he's at interception-wise um, this year. So, but I mean, I think that comes with the territory, like you said. I believe he's a little bit more aggressive this year. Um, he does have a better quarterback rating overall, um, and he's taken a lot less sacks. He's only taken five sacks this year. And he's ran out of how many, though, too? Yeah. I mean, the guy, he's just incredible. Last year, by, for comparison, he, he had 25. He was sacked 25 times. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know if that's just a difference of him just making better decisions in the pocket or if it's uh, – I'm sure it's a salute to our you know guys up front in the trenches. Um, and speaking of that, I mean, we'll probably get into that as we preview the game. And one other point there, too, Rob, with him getting sacked a lot less is – you know, you even noticed it a little bit at the beginning of this season, but last year there were times where you feel like Nate Stanley hangs onto the ball a little bit too long. And this year I think he's doing a little bit better of a job just getting rid of it, you know, making plays happen. And, you know, that's probably where you see, you know, those few more interceptions come in. As well. I'd like to see him get better at that. I think there was times, especially in some of the picks that he's thrown, it's like the pocket's kind of breaking down or it's a play where there's been a few lately actually to, to be kind of contradict what I was just saying, but – where he just kind of tried to force it, it looked like, or throw it into a window where there was a guy he didn't see with his own blitz and whatnot. But there was a, a few, especially with the one where he was running towards the sideline, and he threw that pick. and chucked that ball out of bounds. I think if he's outside of the pocket, maybe it'd be different. But if there's a, a, a receiver that's around, um, I think he can do a better job mm-hmm. of just throwing it out. He and obviously, I'm not standing there watching these huge guys chase me around. But... <laughs> But you talking about like from the Minnesota game? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Of when he was running out of bounds, yeah. Which I get that, but overall, I don't feel like that's a consistent issue this year. You know what I mean? And as a Bears fan, um, watching this Hawkeye team, I can tell you, I got a lot of faith in Nate Stanley. And you know, coming from a football fan who's been watching a lot of football, where I have no faith in our quarterback, and I'm hoping that our defense pulls us out. <laughs> Jay Cuddy. I hate. I hated Jay Cutler, Cutler he, he for was the, the go. For the record. Literally the worst decision. Like the Bears have made some questionable decisions. That's one of them for sure. He was the highest paid quarterback. Do you know that for a while in the NFL? Mm-hmm. Well deserved. <laughs> Just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, oh man. But I mean, I can't really. Besides Mitch Trubisky, who we have, you know, I don't. I can't name a memorable uh, like a for a good reason. You know, in the past ten or fifteen years for the Bears quarterbacks. But um, that's a story for a different day, obviously, or a different podcast rather. But um, just watching the Iowa Hawkeyes, I mean, we got a guy who I got total faith in, and I just want him to be so much better. Um, so it's like I think we critique him a little harder. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Oh, without a doubt. I, I think everybody's pretty tough on Nate Stanley. You always hear how no one seems to be sold on him. You know, I think the statistics and the record probably show it all. Um, I couldn't tell you what his overall record is right now, but you know, I think it's one of the better ones you've seen in the Kirk Ferentz era. Yeah, I mean, to take away from that, I mean, you got uh, – C.J. Bathard, who obviously had that undefeated season up until the last two losses of the year, but I think Nate Stanley's got better poise, better efficiency and accuracy, and then the ability to throw the ball down the field. I mean, the guy's got a cannon, so you know, he'll be an NFL back. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. That's what, you know, Stanley looks like your prototypical NFL back, where with C.J., the dude was just a gamer. You know, he was one of those guys that went out there and he wasn't going to freaking lose, and, you know, he was damn good at it, but... You know, I think as far as, you know, NFL pocket presence goes, you know, I, I almost consider it to like our tight end situation where it's like, you know, I think Noah Fant's going to be the better, you know, NFL tight end without a doubt. 
but TJ Hawkinson I think edges that edges them out a little bit in the college game. You know, I think the CJ Beathard, Nate Stanley could be similar. Yeah. I agree. Um <clears throat> on the opposite side of the ball, uh, we talked a lot about uh Iowa Hawkeyes offense um dominating, our defense dominating. It was a pretty solid effort on all accounts, you know, in in the face of this weather that they had to deal with, which is crazy and unusual. Um, but I can tell you guys on the other side of the ball watching Maryland, no idea. No idea what they're trying to put together. I know they like to run a lot of misdirection. We saw some of it. We did see their star freshman catch one pass, but it wasn't until the second half. Speaking of that, they didn't even play their star running back until the second half. And I don't think, I don't know what the explanation was there unless he was on some sort of a double secret probation where they broke a team rule or something. Any news on that, guys? Nothing that I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Nothing Same. that we know either. Yeah, no, for sure. And then I think the fumble play that we ended up recovering in the end zone, I think was a backup quarterback even too. I don't think it was Kasim Hill even playing too. So everybody in the in the end zone and student section was kind of curious about uh, about what the thoughts were there too. Tyrell Pigrome. Is that his name? Yeah, or Pigrome. Huh. Pigromey? Pigrome. Um, yeah, it was a bad snap and he tried to – he fumbled it a little bit with the ball and then bounced off his foot. And he's in the. Well, I was going to say, the poor guy, he was running back towards him and just kicked it. Yeah. Like, oh. I think he even hit his own guy, too. Yeah. So. And you could just tell the, you know, the air was, they were completely deflated at that point in time. He didn't even try to run after it. The entire offense just stood there and watched us score a defensive touchdown, yeah. which is. What you like to see, I guess, from a defensive perspective. Well, that's the thing. When you, when you watch that replay, you see uh, it's Anthony Nelson leading the pack, and there's about seven Hawkeyes behind him. So, yeah. I mean, it looked like a wild man going like that. He had terrible running for him, but you know what? As long as we jump on the ball, I'm, I'm, we'll take it. it. So, I kicked it out of yep. the back of the end zone. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's get into some good vibes, bad vibes in this, uh, on this game, guys. Uh, we can start it off with my man, Bo. What are you thinking, good vibes, bad vibes, uh, from this game going into uh, this weekend? Absolutely. So I'm going to go back to my point that I uh, brought up a little bit earlier, the domination of the line of scrimmage from both the offense and the defense. That will be my good vibe for the week. I think uh, this last week we showed it, both uh, defensively, how we dominated uh, Maryland's offensive line, and then offensively being able to run the ball, finally looking like the old Iowa Hawkeyes that we all know and love. Uh, too. Obviously we love the new Brian Ferentz era, being able to throw the ball around. Um, but I also love that ground and pound classic Iowa football there too. So domination of the line of scrimmage on both sides. I think going into Penn State, we're definitely going to need it because I think that Penn State's offensive line is going to be a little weaker than uh, than what we've seen so far. But we're going to going up against a pretty darn good quarterback and Trace McSorley. We'll get to that in a little bit. As far as the offensive line goes, um, I, I'm not really too concerned about them, even if uh, there's some weather pending there too. So I think that they're going to mow over. Penn State, I think this is going to be a great game. As far as my bad vibes, I was kind of stretching that out a little bit. I think uh, the weather elements are going to be the toughest thing as far as bad vibes go. And uh, and sitting in Beaver Stadium, uh, also known as uh, as uh, the White House or so for Penn State fans, it's going to be a whiteout, so you know they're going to be coming ready to rock and roll. So I think the elements are going to be pretty tough with the rain coming this weekend. That's my bad vibe. Dill, pass to you here. Yeah, so... As far as my good vibes and bad vibes go, you know, I'm actually going to go kind of reverse with you there, Bo, where my good vibe for, wait, are we good vibing this past week? Or? Yeah, both. Oh, yep. both. Both, yep. okay. Yep. That's what I was thinking. So 
My good vibes coming in this week versus Penn State is actually the weather. I think that's going to favor the Hawks in this situation where, you know, right now the forecast is 44 and rain. Um, and it's like you said there, we have that ground-to-pound offense. And, you know, I think you're going to see some tight end passes. And you'll see Brandon Smith and smith Marset a little bit. But primarily look to see TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fan have quite the game along with our running back trio where, you know, I think they eventually lead us to a possible victory this week. As far as bad vibes go, my bad vibe would have to be, you know, Penn State coming down to the wire last weekend. Um, I definitely don't think that that favors necessarily the Hawks just because I think they could be a little pissed off and ready to play myself, especially in front of a home. I'm sure it's going to be a whiteout crowd. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, it's going to be nuts. So that would be my bad vibe, I would think. Gotcha. Um, I can I can kind of agree with you guys both a little bit there when it comes to good vibes, bad vibes coming out of this Maryland uh, matchup. I mean, we were expected to win this game, and we came away with a win. And uh, even better than that, we shut them out. Um, in in the face of this weather adversity, I mean, we're going to have some more adversity this week when it comes to the weather. Um, playing at Penn State. Um, we've been a team that so far, you know, we looked pretty decent um, in our, our little mini road trip this past this so far this year. So I feel like that's prepared us pretty well to go into a big, uh, a big Big Ten matchup here. It's, this is going to be um, what we thought as at the beginning of the season to be our biggest test of the season. So it all comes up to this, especially when we consider and we'll get to this a little bit in the mailbag. We got some really great questions this week. Um, on what the implications of this game is going to have towards the postseason um, or possible postseason for both teams here, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the and Nittany Lions here. So here's what I will tell you. Good vibes. Um, I, I love to see uh, Iowa be more versatile this last game. I think, you know, we had a total, you know, we were coming into a situation where the past two games we had a lot of passing yards, a lot of passing touchdowns. Um, we were really throwing the ball downfield. Um, we threw a lot of screen passes. And so Nate Stanley had some really high um, passing numbers and passer ratings. Then we get into a game where they got 45-mile-an-hour crosswinds. Um, and so, you know, we had to change it up a little bit. Our defense really stepped up, which was awesome to see. And, um, and we were able to run the ball all game. You know, I mean, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fan, both of these guys are averaging – you know, a touchdown in a hundred yards seems like almost the past like four or five games, and both of them this last game uh, are coming away with uh, fourteen yards for Noah Fant and T.J. Hawkins that had thirty yards. Um, you know, so really nothing. You know, we can win games without those guys. Um, it's nice to have them involved, but it's good to see that because that's what you want to see going into a big matchup like this. Uh, bad vibes. I mean. The bad vibes that I would have is that I would I expected Iowa on a couple of those plays I would like to see, I would have liked to see him punch it in for a touchdown. Um, there's a few plays where we had and I don't know if it's just play calling where you know we <clears throat> ran the ball on third and long or ran a draw play or um, you know there's a play that just kind of broke down a little bit and we weren't able to get the touch uh, the first down that would have extended the drive there um, and so on a team against a team like Maryland. And no disrespect to the Terrapins. They obviously beat a really great Texas team right off the bat. But, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more out of them. But, I mean, a shutout is great. We got the win by 
you know, three scores. So I think that plays well as far as just the Big Ten standings. Rob, I want to go back to your good vibes here. And listeners, I just want to throw a stat at you guys. Um, I love how you mentioned Iowa playing on the road, and we've had a great road stand so far. Iowa's offense is averaging 45 points after beating Minnesota 48-31 and beating Indiana on the road 42-16. to So I love your good vibe there. I wanted to let you know that. But we're averaging 45 points, and going into a, a game like this, you know, a lot of points could be uh, could be detrimental in this kind of game. So great good vibe. I like that here. We're going to transition here into uh, the preview of Penn State, and we'll start with our uh, our DJ, our host, Rob Wall. Sure. I wanted to bring us in here. Rob, what are your thoughts here? Tell me a little bit about what we got going on here at State College, uh, Iowa against Penn State. Yeah, let's break it down, guys. So we've been um, we've been looking at this opportunity. This uh, well, this game is an opportunity. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started to say opportunity, and I was like, well, nope. That's right. So that's something that we've been saying a lot at where we work. Is that every and you know, listeners, this is a sidetrack here. Every day that you wake up is an opportunity, and you need to look at it like that. You get to you know take that day and do with it what you will. Um, so that's a little bit of motivation and positivity for everybody out there. But um, this game is an opportunity for the for the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes for sure to really um, you know take. Uh, I don't know if they would be able to take a commanding lead, but really make a statement in the Big Ten and make a case for them to be possibly involved in the playoff. Um, so if you if you look here, uh, they're both actually top 25 rated teams, uh, 17 for the Penn State Nittany Lions, 18 for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, currently, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, um, Penn State is favored. Um, I have a 73.6% chance of winning, giving the Hawkeyes a 26.4% chance of winning. Um, currently, the spread is um, Hawkeyes plus six. Um, so the over-under for the game is about 52.5 score, total score. And it's going to be at Penn State. So I can tell you guys, um, the game, you know, it's going to be 2.30 p.m., um, is kickoff and it's going to be covered on ESPN. Uh, and basically what you're going to be looking at is um, a very rainy game. It could be a muddy game. It's outdoor. It's going to be loud. It'll most likely be a whiteout. Um, but I think that'll actually, the time of the game plays well in our favor because it's early. Um, sometimes those night games, away games, like you see, um, you know, that Penn State, that close Penn State matchup they had at the beginning of the year against Appalachian State was a night game whiteout. And that looked like a really tough place to play, where they came back at the end and won the game. Yep. And I was there. I know everyone. I'm sure you guys were with me. I was just waiting for him to to lose. And Trace McSorley threw a pass at the end, and receiver caught in the end zone. Um, you know. So hopefully this will be better um, for us to not have to play into those lights, because I think with the white that would be tough. Yeah, and I mean, we, you talk about that. We go back to the 2008 2009 season. When uh, when Iowa went in there and beat Penn State, who was heavily favored, when Adrian Claiborne blocked that punt, mm-hmm. and we end up winning at State College, there was a night game. So yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a loud crowd, wide out, two thirty kickoff on ESPN. Pretty exciting too. They got an ESPN game against a seventeen eighteen ranked team. Guys, uh, what we see here is uh, as far as changes here, we get, we get a couple linebackers back. Um, we got Jack Hockaday is back. He's not going to start at middle linebacker. But he is going to start on the deep, or he will play quite a bit. I think that plays heavily in our uh, defensive set here, uh, especially having all those guys at linebacker 
coming uh, coming back, so we have more to, more to transfer there. Uh, Christian Welts will start there, outside backer. Also, Nick Neiman is back, outside linebacker. So he will start over Barrington Wade, who has done a phenomenal job filling in. And then uh, Digimon or Jamon Colbert will play the other weak side, outside backer. And, and guys, there will be no changes up front. There will be a few changes to the linebacking core. And then we got uh, our freshman corners and safeties with Amani Hooker back. Again, this is a reloaded defense who just came off a shutout. And so far this year, they've played excellent. As far as the defensive side, let's start there. We'll talk about Trace McSorley here in a sec. But what do you think the biggest struggles and challenges are going to be for the Iowa defense going up against this Nittany office offense? Uh, for me, I think the biggest threat um, defense, I mean, from the, uh, the Penn State offense, the opposing offense here, is just going to get lulled to sleep with Miles uh, Sanders. Um, because they they run a lot of I mean he gets a lot of carries he's already had 119 carries on the year, um, 772 yards and eight touchdowns he's the lone back he's the guy to look at um, you know they they do run play action off of that as well and so I think uh, it's just going to be you know as far as the defensive effort just make sure to, hey stay home um, you know and make sure that you keep looking at your reads here and and you know because that's something that you know. Penn State can can really do and rely on it. It's definitely going to be a game where I feel like we're going to see the the battle in the trenches. I know Iowa has a lot of um, big players up front, and they've shown that they've been able to, you know, step up to the plate in big games, especially this season. And I just would – this is the biggest test for them, and they need to know that. And I'm sure that they've been talking about this all week. What do you think uh, – I mean – as far as uh, Trace McSorley is a, is a guy who is, you know, a, a runner. I mean, he can run the ball. He's dangerous, and he's a little bit elusive. And he seems to have a knack for making big plays in big moments, which is um, something that is hard to game plan for. Dill, what do you think uh, is going to be the biggest test for the Iowa Hawkeye defense this week? You know, I think it's got to be Trace McSorley, I think. You look and saw, see what he did to the Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium last year. Now, the big part about that you got to remember is, you know, Trace McSorley had a Saquon Barkley running back with him who was, I think, in my opinion, the greatest weapon of all last year in co- all of college football. So I think yeah. that helped him quite a bit where, you know, that's where you might see some of his struggles this year where when he was struggling, you know, a year back, you know, that's when you can kind of hand the ball off to Saquon and let him do his thing. Nonetheless... The dude's a freak athlete. You know, you know he's going to come to play. Uh, that fucking asshole. <laughs> I, I remember him punting that ball when those dipshits were silencing the crowd last year after that game. Oh, my God, I hate that guy so much. But, um, And that's what, if you ever listen to that Washed Up Walk-Ons podcast, I know Tyler Kluver and those boys have some pretty harsh things to say about that man, too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, God. Apologize for my language there, Liz. No, you know, no, I don't. I take that back. I don't apologize for that. God, I hate that guy. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you got to respect his talent, and I think he's going to come out, and he's going to be ready to play and playing in front of that, you know, hundred thousand crowd. How how big of a stadium is that at Happy Valley? Um, I want to say seventy thousand crowd. Yep, seventy thousand. Seventy thousand? Are you yep. sure it's not a hundred? I don't think it's that big, is it? Am I crazy? It may be deceptive because of how loud it is. The It's very similar to a Kinnick. I think with, so, too. The yeah. way they, they set it up. Yep, I agree. Um, I think it is, too. 
An- I was going to say another weapon that they've been using. Yeah, is- hey, so capacity at Beaver Stadium is 106,000. Yep. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, my fault. I was mm-hmm. wrong. Wow. Well, I thought so. I thought I wasn't crazy. Well, nonetheless, well, screw them. They do have a, a weapon that they use on the receiving end of things. KJ Hamler, he's a freshman. Um, he's wa- his number's number one if you're, wa- you're going to be watching at home. But so far in the season, he's only got 22 receptions. Um, but he's got 400 yards and at five touchdowns. Um, and if you look at, I mean, he's somebody that stands out on their receiving core as somebody that we need to keep an eye on. And to be honest, the way Amani Hooker has been playing this year, I mean, I have full confidence if this is the best, you know, guy that we're going to put our people on. Um, you know, I think Amani Hooker will have no problem locking him up. He's, we're talking about a, a freshman, um, you know what I mean, which not to underestimate any, any of the underclassmen, but he's got less game experience in big games than, um, than, the, than our defense does. We do have some freshman cornerbacks that will be playing, but um, – yeah, because hookers are safety, right? Yeah. But, um, I mean, to be able to look out for somebody like that, I mean, I mean, I feel like that will be all right. I agree. And, and I honestly think, Rob, to, to go off that, I think that uh, Riley Moss is going to try and face guard him a little bit too. I honestly think that he's proven that he can stick with some of the best receivers. Yeah, they're going to put Amani Hooker on him because Amani Hooker is probably, in, in all three of our eyes, a first-team Big Ten safety but I think that uh, I think that Riley has actually come up to the test and played damn well against Big Ten teams, especially good receivers. And and I think too uh, on that note, Trace McSorley. If you take away that big weapon there, what they're going to have to do is keep him on the ground. And I don't think you know you know with the way their offense is built, I don't think there's going to be any way they can keep up with Iowa's defense. I don't think there's any kind of trickeration or anything that they could do to stump. The defensive line and linebackers. Right. Well, and I know the past few weeks I've brought up old my old buddy from HawkeyeReport.com, Tom Kakerts. Um, oh, yep. It's about that time, fellas. Hold, hold on, guys. We just need to do a quick beer break, and then I'll get back to my point. So one, Perfect. two, three. Beautiful. Oh, good one. That was Beautiful. nice. Beautiful. I like that one. We counted that down. I like that too. Right. But um, No, as my boy Tom Kaker from HawkeyeReport.com, he likes to do a behind enemy line segment every week. And so uh, a couple numbers that they have quoted in here is, you know, some of Trace McSorley's stats where, you know, so far this year he has 111 completions on 206 attempts for, you know, a little over 1,400, 1,461 yards and 11 touchdowns and just three interceptions. And so a note on those is all three were on bobbled balls as well. And so he's playing very good, but his receivers are letting him down. And so – you know, if our secondary continues to do what it's done all season long and we create problems for them, you know, we make them a one-dimensional team. And that's where I think the weather's going to come in and, you know, play a positive factor, you know, as far as Iowa goes. Now, that being said, you know, flip that around and you look at Nate Stanley and some of the stupid mistakes he's made so far this year, you know, that can be twofold where it can be worrisome for both teams. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it favors the Hawkeyes a bit more with their three-headed monster we got at back. You know, and, and I think the defense has been tested already, too, because we were supposed to see a good quarterback, Kasim Hill, which we didn't. But I think, honestly, the biggest surprise we've seen with our good running quarterback is Zach Anastad from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The guy was running around, throwing the ball, and I honestly think that guy's got more potential than Trace McSorley just on a bad team, honestly. Right. I think he's a decent, I'd say above-average quarterback. And I think that we've seen, honestly, the best running quarterback so far that we're going to see the rest of the season in him. Hot take, for sure. Hot okay. take for sure. Okay. No. But 
I think Trey, don't don't discredit Trace McSorley either because he is a, I'm pretty sure he was a Heisman candidate at least to start the season too. So Thoughts I can't believe he's a Heisman candidate to start the season. That's unbelievable to me. I yeah. mean, okay, go ahead. I mean, Trace McSorley. I I one hundred percent agree with you, and I'm somebody who always says that. I've said <laughs> this. I, I don't. Even, I'm I'm being skeptical to tell this on our podcast because, um, but in the past, I've even considered. Tom Brady to be a, uh, a <laughs> I know you guys are looking at me funny. Um, Tom Brady to be a product of the um, system that Bill Belichick has put in place. Oh, with I the would offense. agree with that one hundred ten percent. And and that's a hot take too. But I'll tell you guys, like as far as like the raw talent of Trace McSorley, sure he has what it takes to succeed at a, at a Division one level, and that's saying a lot. But so does Nate Stanley. So does a lot. Of, almost any starting quarterback. You know what I mean? It takes a lot to to. To make the next step and be a division leader, you know, and and, and I feel like Trace McSorley and Nate Stanley both have very similar um, numbers as far as the, the as the on the full season goes right now, um, but I do think that it has a lot to do with the system that they're in. I mean, if you look at Hawaii's quarterbacks and those crazy numbers they're putting up in years past, I mean, and they don't pan out to anything aside from Marcus Mariota. Uh, for the Tennessee Titans, shout out Marcus if he's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you know, you, you get those guys that you know are a big deal, and uh, it's just surprising to me. Like you, you know, guys like <clears throat> you know Josh Jackson, you know, guys that really have unbelievable raw talent, and it's able to shine and you know put on display in a system rather than just being a product of it, or you know, somebody who is who's you know going to be a a, a big time star. You know, on the next level, I would like to see someone like that take home the Heisman. I mean, I don't know what. What I see what you're saying, but I mean, you know, past you know is our best indicator of what's going to happen in the future, or however the hell that saying goes. You, know, <laughs> you you look at some of our last Heisman Trophy winners. You know, you look at Mariota, you look at you know Johnny Manziel, you look at Troy Smith out of Ohio State. And, you know, what do all these guys have in common? They're all no. douchebags. <laughs> I, I don't. Just I don't disagree. And Johnny Manziel's the goat comeback season. He, he will be back. Get your money, dance. Yep. Yep. You can't see it right now, boys. But I'm doing it. <laughs> you can't uh, see no, me. Big Manziel guy. Uh, just because he, <laughs> he parties. I like that. Um, but anyways, no. So what I'm saying there is, you know, obviously I don't think they take that into account, Rob. Where. You know what kind of NFL quarterback you're going to be necessarily. Yeah, uh, it, I guess. that yeah. doesn't matter. It's you know they want to see the big stats versus the big games, and that's one of those things where you know Trace McSorley he has done that for the most part. Now this season is probably an exception where you know they got up early on Ohio State, you know ended up tanking that one. You know he made a lot of big plays in that win versus Appalachian State, but no one wants to talk about that because they're D one double A. Yeah. So. Um, get what you're saying, but no, you're wrong. All right. Just kidding. I was going to say, uh, before you, before I, you jump in, Bo, um, last thing I just wanted to say about looking into the game, um, you know, as far as, like, the Penn State Nittany Lions, like, what does their defense look like? I was going to pose that question to you guys. Because um, we've been talking about both of the offensive ends, but, I mean, there's teams that put up a lot of points against this Penn State and Nittany Lions team. Yeah, so, I mean, so far, and again, I come back to my boy Tom Kaker. I'm just making sure I shout you out. Um, and his behind the enemy lines. And so they look at it in Penn State right now. 
right now they're allowing 22 points per game and 392 yards of contest. So not necessarily that that's, you know, bad, but in the Big Ten, you know, that's not good. And you got to consider, you know, you probably got three, you know, out-of-conference FCS-type opponents in there as well. So um, that's got to, you know, help the Hawks a little bit there. Um, you know, I mean, look at just even playing Appalachian State. They scored, you know, gave up 38 points there. And, um, you know, granted, looking at Michigan State and then, you know, Ohio State, obviously, they played some tough games. But, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts there, Bo? I think that's going to favor the Hawks. I agree. I, I mean, their second leading or their first leading tackler is actually safety, if that tells you guys anything. I don't know if they're going to do a lot of blitzing or what, but that to me seems like that they're getting burned and beat downfield. Mm-hmm. And so, well, and you know what that reminds me of is too is remember after week one when I brought that up, how was it Amani Hooker or Jake yeah. Travas, one of the two were our leading tacklers, and that presents a problem. That means that middle linebacker is not doing his job. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, how we noticed that Amani Jones ended up getting booted out of our starting lineup. But go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so we got a safety as our number one tackler. And then their number two tackler is Jan Johnson. He's a linebacker. He's a pretty solid linebacker himself, too. Um, so looked for him to make quite a few different stops on the different tackles. But, you know, Penn State's going to know that Iowa's going to try and run, run as much as they can, especially if it's going to be weather pending. So I think, you know, looking at – their defense, and, and I don't know about you guys, if you guys have watched any film on these guys, they're really not that big. I think their front line only averages 6'1 or 6'2. And I think, well, shit, I mean, we got Tristan Wirfs and, and a couple of those guys are shit, 6'4, 6'5. I think we, we look huge and they're monsters against those guys. So right. I think dominating the line of scrimmage going back to that again is going to be key. But I think it's going to be pretty easy to get to the second level, if not average five yards of carry with three solid running backs that we got going on. You know, and I, and I hate to say it because I'm such a big proponent of this new Brian Ferentz regime, especially on the offensive side of the football. I'm loving the innovation he's bringing to the table, and I still want to see it. But I think, you know, our best shot at, you know, beating a pretty darn good uh, Penn State team is going to be to control the ball on the offensive side of the ball. And how do you do that? I think you do that by playing old-fashioned Kirk Ferentz football where – you know, if we we run the ball two plays and pass on third down, you know, we're going to waste a lot of time and we're going to beat you. And I know in this article, you know, they kind of agree to that sentiment too where it's like, you know, if this game remains in the low-scoring low game, you know, that's got to favor the Hawks. Yeah. Um, you know, time of possession, you know, that's how we win games. But I think if Penn State starts scoring early and often and, you know, the Hawks got to, you know, use a little bit slower tempo at offense – you know, I think we're going to dig ourselves into a hole and maybe not be able to claw our way back out. Yeah, and when you talk about time and possession, let's look back last week. We dominated. We had 40 minutes of offensive possession against Maryland's 19 minutes. Like, that's, that's just outrageous. incredible. <laughs> like, that's just incredible. I mean, we're just holding on to the ball. And that's just, uh, I mean, that's just old-fashioned Iowa football. We do that against Penn State. We probably won't beat them by a, a large margin, but we're going to dominate the game. We're going to win the mm-hmm. game. Yep. Something like that. I love that. I was going to say that exact same thing. Um, guys, I, I know um, I could talk forever about this matchup. Um, it's going to be a great game. 2.30 in the afternoon on ESPN, guys. Tune in, listeners. It's going to be an excellent game. Um, and it's right in the middle of the afternoon, which is perfect, um, on a Saturday afternoon. Guys, let's get into some predictions. Last week, I don't know if we kept track on what happened last week. I'm looking for them, but I know my score was 23-10. to 10. 
I remember that. How many points the Hawks score against? Twenty-three points. Still, oh, right on the God. I am dot. smart. I am loyal. <laughs> if you don't follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat, highly recommend it. He'll brighten up your day first thing in the morning. He's got the keys. You is smart. You is loyal. Major key. Major key. Um. Um. So yeah, I think I won that. So screw uh, you guys. Nice uh, job, Dill. Getting um, taken away. The, yeah. So the so here I actually have the official. First predictions. Rob Wall had seventeen to three Hawks. So you're the closest to a shutout, Rob. So you're the closest there. I had thirty five seventeen. Dill had twenty three ten. Dylan, you had twenty three on the dot. Didn't have the shutout. Rob had seventeen three. That's going to be a duke between you guys for for the win there. What's well, the difference in points? Well, well, let's just look at this. So here, so, so you have a difference. So of 10. so Rob had seventeen to three, and I had so, a difference of nine. And nine, yeah, yeah. So Rob's our winner from last week. Woo. By a point. <laughs> how, how does that work? <laughs> how does that work? It, basically, what happens is you just got to be more accurate <laughs> and, uh, you know, just provide um, better insight. For Dude, I, for, I thought I for sure had this in the bag. Huh? I think your guys' math is off. Yeah. Six. Oh. Nine. Six, nine. Yep. Anyways. Six, nine. Great rapper. Highly recommend him to a friend. For all you children that are listening. So let's get some. Uh, let's get into some predictions, and then because I, I definitely want to hit mailback, and um, so I'll go first, guys. Since I took the W last week, you know, big ups to me in my uh, analysis. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Um, so this is going to be a really tight game. It's. I feel like it's going to be a low scoring affair. I do feel like that um, the Hawkeyes are going to go into a very tough spot. they got a 26.4% chance of winning. But I think if all goes according to plan, the Hawkeyes come out with a win. And so I'm thinking 17-10 Hawks. That's my prediction. You know, boys, and we talked about this game early on in our season predictions. We talked about it. Yep. And so before I get into this, don't get me wrong, because I know we're an all-Hawkeye-loving podcast. (laughs) I smell it. You know, it's one of those where you know we're we're gonna be tested. God, Stop. can you can you tell how much this pains me? Stop. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking this game. It's. I think it's gonna be close. I I don't think it's gonna be low scoring, but I don't think it's gonna be high scoring. So I think that. What'd you say the over under was? Right around that fifty two. Plus Hawkeyes are plus six. Right, right. Oh, the, the over fifty two. Fifty two. I think that's about spot on there too. So, God, you know, it's tough to say, but, you know, I think, you know, I think the Hawks get it, 26-25. Yeah, boy. Oh, right. boy. I thought you were going to predict the Penn State one. But, but it's going to be a heartbreaking, like, not heartbreaking, but it's going to be a heart-wrenching. It's, this one's going to take some years off of our lives, boys, because <laughs> this is a big game. I, I think... I think you deal with like just chain smoking through a pack oh of six. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> just dude now, I'm gonna be so. So you figure? So I got this wedding deal this weekend, which I know we got to be there at 10:30. I don't know any, everything else. I have no idea what's going on. So I'm assuming we start boozing right away, and limo, limo <laughs> takes us everywhere. So I imagine I will be chain smoking. Like I don't know how else I'm gonna get through this game. Just refreshing your phone. You know, dude, in Iowa, Penn State, like my entire childhood, it's just. Like, with the exception of 2012, where I was a freshman in college and I was blacked out, passed out in my dorm anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> you know, this has been, you know, the game. It has been the game where even, you know, previous players have talked about how 
hype Kirk Parents is all week during practice. You know, during this week, him being a Pennsylvania, I don't know, is he a Pennsylvania yeah. native? Yep, I thought so. yep, yep, he yep. is. So, oh my gosh, so I, I think the Hawks get in a late field goal. What did I say? 26-25? Yep, you said 26, I thought you said 26-24, or you say 26-25. Let's do 26-24. That makes more sense. Okay, I, I can't, I can't see Penn State having a weird Iowa score like 25. So okay. it's going to be 26-24 Hawks. Well, I'm going to make mine short and sweet. I think the Hawks get it done, and I think there's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think the only reason that it's going to be somewhat close is that Penn State's going to kick a field goal uh, in the third quarter. It's going to make it somewhat close. Hawks win 23-17. Ooh, I love that. Very specific. With the field goal in the third quarter, I'm going to be definitely looking out for that now. Okay, um, it's going to be a good one, guys. Yeah, I'm, for sure. I am for excited. Sure. I this has a vibe of a Penn State Iowa game from last year, where you knew it was a big game. You know, both teams are going to come hungry, and you know, with Penn State already dropping two this year, you know they're going to be they're going to be there to play. They're going to be there to prove something, and I think our Hawks are there to prove something. But I don't think that Penn State offense is going to be able to outlast. That Iowa defense. You know, this is a perfect segue into our mailbag. Our first question for the mailbag, guys, and, and, I, and I'll start with this off here. Um, this comes from our viewer, Andrew Nedelicki from uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Peahawk Nation. He used to be able to bench quite a bit. I remember I played football, high school football with the young man. Not sure. Yeah, I'm Not sure. Not sure if he can yeah, anymore. Doubt it. Doubt it. He's, he's got been, a girlfriend now, so I think he's a little soft. Too many 12-ounce girls. <laughs> <laughs> so Neto, Neto says... Um, what are the chances that Iowa wins out? If so, we make it to the Big Ten Championship game. We'll, we'll discuss this in a, in a minute. Who, who would we play in the Big Ten Championship game? But then after that, would we make it to the college football playoffs? Rob, we'll start with you. What are the chances that Iowa wins out knowing that we still have Penn State on Saturday? We sure. have Purdue coming up. We always have a tough game against Nebraska. And then if we were to win out, we play the Big Ten Championship game. We'll start with you. Yeah, um, I think that it's going to be low chance for us to win out um, as far as, I mean, we're, we're going into a game where if we played the game four times, we win once. Um, according to the football, the ESPN football predictor index or whatever. Um, and that's not always correct. We know our Hawkeyes inside and out. And um, so I, I really like to hope that they'd be able to, to get it done. Just for fun, um, as you were reading this question, I just Googled that exact same, what are the odds Iowa wins out? And according to the same index, football predicting index, uh, the chance of winning out is 2%. And the chance of winning the conference is only 7.9% for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So I guess the numbers really aren't on our side, but the numbers really don't matter. Um, What really matters is you know, if we can be able to execute and execute, I guess, uh, in, like, I don't know, um, demonstrate our will, I guess, maybe, or, or uh, I don't know what the Impose. word is. Yeah, that's, that's the word I'm looking for. Will. Love it. Yeah, in the trenches, I think, is going to be the main factor. Um, you know, we have skill position guys, and we have a stable of running backs that I think a lot of teams don't have. We have a defense that's capable of playing with the best defenses in the country, you know. And so when you look at teams, like I feel like Iowa's one of those teams, and we always have been this team, by the way, that can we can just win on any given occasion. We can beat 
you know, the Iowa State or the Ohio State Buckeyes, you know, by 30 points at home. You know what I mean? And so there's always a chance that that can happen. I'd like to give us more of a shot than 2%. Um, as far as like my thoughts on this season, if we'd be able to win out, um, I think we got a way better shot than we did than we did last year. If you had asked me the same question last year before the Ohio State game, I would have said, I don't know, we're pretty mediocre this year. We got a lot of young players. This year, I think is another year under the belt for them. Um, so I do feel like I would say, I mean, I would give them like a thirty percent shot the way the last few games that they played to win out. And that's a pretty high number, I guess. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dill? You know, these are my beloved Iowa Hawkeyes. And, you know, in my nearly 25 years of life, I've learned a few things about them. You know, and one of those things that I've learned about my Iowa Hawkeyes is that they drop a head scratcher. It seems to be every year, with the exception of 2015. You know, every single year that I've known my Hawks, they've dropped one where it's like, you know, shoot. We could have won that game. Here's why, you know, here's these little things. And that's probably part of, the, part of that Kirk Ferentz mentality, mentality, playing style where, you know, I don't want to say you're playing not to win, the, not to lose, but that's almost kind of how it seems sometimes where, you know, you keep these closed games, the ground and pound. If we hang on to the ball longer than you, we're going to win kind of thing. So that being said, you look at our next three weeks, Rob, and we go to Penn State. We go to West Lafayette and Purdue. And then we got Northwestern at home. You know, as far as that goes, you get past these three games, then I think Iowa handles Illinois and will handle Nebraska. Um, that being said, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest to myself, I think we drop one of these three. I couldn't tell you which one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we end up dropping one of these three more than likely. But should we win out? And should we surprise myself and, you know, I'm sure plenty of other Iowa fans and college football fans out there as well. You know, as far as that goes, you look into the Big Ten standings right now. And as far as the East goes, it would be Michigan and Ohio State who are kind of leading the charge. And so one of those things you got to remember with Michigan being 5-0 and and Ohio State being 4-1 and right now in the Big Ten is Michigan and Ohio State meet each other at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of ignore that loss that Ohio State has because it's going to be them two, I think, running the table, you know, in the East. And so, you know, that essentially, that last game of the year becomes a Big East Championship, Big Ten East Championship game for them. Uh, I think we would likely, should we win out and Wisconsin drops one down the stretch, you know, I think we end up playing Ohio State in that game. But then you look at Wisconsin's remaining schedule right now, and they got some very losable games as well. And reminder, you know, we, if we end up winning out, you know, you look at Wisconsin, they would have to lose one in this situation. Wisconsin has to play Northwestern, Penn State, West, or Northwestern, Penn State, Minnesota, uh, Rutgers, and then a Purdue team. So Wisconsin and Iowa, very similar schedules to close out the season. So I think in both the East and the West, it's essentially a two-man race both ways. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Northwestern can sneak their way in there with big wins versus Iowa and Wisconsin, too. You know, I think the trap game for us this year is going to be Penn State. I Honestly, I think that Purdue is riding high on that win against Ohio State. I don't think they're going to be able to get it done. I, they, I know they have great players, individual players. David Blau is so up and down. And, guys, we, we watched Purdue come in and kind of beat the shit out of a sloppy Iowa team last year. I know a lot of people were pretty upset with that. They have some great playmakers on offense and defense. I don't think they have the star power 
or anything to get it done against Iowa. But if Iowa wins this game this weekend and Purdue wins their game this weekend, that may be a night game because it's to be determined still on uh, on ESPN. So we're looking at you know potential trap game there with, with Purdue, but I think that Penn State is obviously going to be the biggest game, biggest test for us because we have Purdue at Illinois and then at home against Nebraska. So I feel pretty confident with the rest of Iowa's schedule. I think that they are highly likely to win out with Wisconsin losing, um, who I believe, I think they're going to lose this weekend to Northwestern. I think this is a Northwestern team that is going to surprise to a lot of people. And uh, thankfully, Iowa has them at home this year. So I think we have some pretty good ups as far as that goes. And Dill, kind of to raise you here, I think Michigan's the best team in, uh, in the Big Ten East. I think Michigan's played well. They lost that one game to a Notre Dame team that I'm still not sold on. I don't think – I've never been a traditionalist saying that Notre Dame has had a great season. I love Rudy. Great movie. Great <laughs> inspiration, guys. But Notre Dame is a – I'm just not a fan because they don't have a true conference. Yeah, they play some tough teams. Don't get me wrong. I, I'll give them that. But the rest of the remainder of their season is going to be pretty patty cake, and I think that they're going to be able to roll through that and somehow make it into the college football playoffs. Hopefully – Hopefully one of the linebackers doesn't have a ghost girlfriend like Manti Teo again, <laughs> and they end up losing in the college football playoffs. But I don't think – I think that Iowa makes it to the Big Ten championship game. I do think they lose to Michigan in a really close game. Unfortunately, we have a pretty bad stretch with uh, the Michigan teams um, in the Big Ten title game. But I think that still gets us to a pretty good bowl. I know last I checked, we were predicted to play in the Holiday Bowl against yep. LSU, a good LSU team too. Um, who has climbed the ranks, who actually may now be in the college football playoff bracket, which will come out on Tuesday. But to answer the overall question, Andrew, great question here. I think Iowa wins out. I think they lose in the Big Ten tournament. Don't make the college football playoffs, but get in a pretty good bowl with only having two losses. Excellent. Um, And so going into our next question here um, is actually going to be a pretty good one. Tony from Cedar Rapids, a Kennedy – Pride, a cougar, a cougar from 2013. Tony Mayers is his name. Uh, Pride shout out, 42nd Street. Shout out to the Kennedy baseball team. We're hoping big ups for them this year. Um, he asked, "No, we're not. No, yeah, no, we're not. Yeah, stop it." Uh, he asked, "Just kidding, guys. Your your favorite, current or past Hawkeye? Who would you like to have a beer with? You pick the location. You pick the time. What Iowa player, present or past, would you like to indulge?" And an alcoholic beverage with. I'm going to kick us off, guys. I'm going to go with the man whose jersey I own um, currently in, in my collection. And that's my boy, Ricky Stanzi. Ooh. Um, and we'll be enjoying an IPA uh, beer at the top of Pikes Peak Ooh. in Denver, Colorado. Um, Is there perhaps a little... Some plants, Possibly. Some plants involved. I don't, I don't know if Ricky's into the plants, but I wouldn't doubt it. He, I, I hear the stories. I'm, he was kind of a wild man during his days in Iowa City. So. I just like to hear him tell stories, talk about like the uh, unbelievable wins that he's had before. Um, I've been to the top of Pikes Peak, so I just thought it was just a funny thing. And in the, in, At the time when he was a Hawkeye, if you guys remember his long hair and everything like that, he seemed like kind of a sunshine Um from uh, uh, remember the Titans movie type deal. Love it. Um, so he was kind of a cool guy. Um, had his head on his shoulders. Had an uh, interesting NFL career. He bounced around to a lot of different teams. So he's probably got to, you know, sit and have a beer with a lot of cool, interesting people. So um, that's why I would say I'd like to check out 
um, you know, and have a beer with uh, my boy Ricky Stanzi. You know, and I, I like that answer, Rob, but, you know, growing up, you know, big Hawk fan for as long as I can remember, you know, I remember all these studs that the Hawkeyes have had on defense. You know, you think of, God, you look at Bob Sanders, you look at Humple, you look at Bradley Fletcher, you look at all these guys, Sean Constantine, all these guys they sent to the league on defense. And I think of, you know, just traditional Norm Parker, you know, six seconds of hell, Iowa defensive guys that I just love. And I think the one man who embodies that the most, who probably equals my level of partying back in his glory days, I'm sure, (laughs) would be the man, the man himself who rocks the bald eagle American flag tattoo on his right tricep and bicep. I'm going with Pat Anger. Ooh. And that that would be I don't I don't think I'd get away with just one beer. I'm pretty sure <laughs> pretty sure me and him would be closing down some bars and um yeah, who who knows where we'd end up that night, but I bet it'd be a good one. I think he's a family man now, but get him away from the misses and the kids, I'm sure. Man, you he check his loose. you check his Twitter and he's all over Iowa football, man. Oh. He loves Iowa football. And, and you know that man. Like I, I joke around about it here at work, but I might as well have a "Don't Tread on Me" flag, you know, <laughs> sitting at my desk. And you know, I just don't want to be messed with. And I know he's the exact same way. So you know, and, and growing up, and, and this is going to be my answer too. You know, growing up, you, you think of great players, and and when I truly became an Iowa Hawkeye fan, I I, I kind of think of the year that Carl Klug. And Adrian Claiborne were playing it. And I think, you know, those were great Hawkeyes, great defensive guys. Micah Hyde was even on the team with Tyler Sash even from pretty close to my own hometown, RIP to him. But before that, guys, we saw a great defense. And I believe he was a teammate to your friend, Pat Anger. The guy I drank a couple bush lights in a very small town somewhere in Iowa would be Chad Greenway. I have to, be, have to be a huge fan of Chad Greenway. The guy lives for football. Has a great head on his shoulders. Overall, a great man. And on top of that, he played for the Minnesota Vikings too. So, I love love me some Chad Greenway. Awesome. Perfect. Um, guys, so any other mailbag questions yeah. we should jump into? or yep. Guys, we got, uh, we got two more questions. We'll make her quick here. Um, and, and this one comes from a guy from Cedar Rapids. Actually, hometown of Lawler, Iowa. His name's Ryan Iser. Ryan Iser, Cohawk, track and field guy. Lawler. Uh, Lawler, Iowa. Um, he, he raises a pretty good question here. Is he related to Robbie Lawler? I'm not sure. He's a That's a city in Iowa. Lawler. Well, that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not his last name. No, Ryan no. Iser's last name. Right, right, right. Lawler's a town. <laughs> but Robbie Lawler's good buds with Pat Anger. They went to high school together, oh. played football together. Now Robbie's. That's your end, dude. That's how you have a there beer with him. That's my end. There you go. Let's go. That'd be dope. So Ryan Iser asks here... He's a big fan of Northeast Iowa, and uh, coming from Northeast Iowa is Iowa's punter, Colton Rastetter. And since he is the starting punter, he said, he asked, since he was a solid quarterback in high school, would Iowa think to run trick plays in fourth and short situations that would potentially utilize Colton throwing the ball, or has time separated Colton from his throwing confidence? Dill, we'll start with you this time. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's what you remember. You go back to the Ohio State game last year where they did that. So, um, yeah. I think, you know, I think this weekend would be a totally fine weekend to bring that out. You know, I'm, we've seen Iowa bring it out already, you know, with the trick plays out at Minnesota and that awesome fake field goal. So, um, and I'm pretty sure Rastetter is still holding for field goals, is he not? Yes. Okay, sure I thought is. so. So, yeah, I mean, look to see some trickery there without a doubt. 
Rassetter's like the undercover cop in that formation where he's just been there all year. Nobody knows that he is a quarterback. Actually, I'm sure every team that plays us is like, hey, watch out for Rassetter. He was a quarterback in high school. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, he hasn't really had the – I mean, they haven't ever called the trick play. But I can see it. If I set the scene for you guys, you know, it's third and long, fourth and short, you know, late in the game. I was down, like – you know, 17 to 13, and they kick a, uh, and, and they, they line up for the kick, and then basically it's a fake. Rossetter throws a touchdown. You know, Hawkeyes win 20 to 17. I think that's a possibility. We haven't seen it yet this year, but I think it's, you know, when, as a play calling, from a play calling standpoint, you got a guy who's able to make those plays. And, and if, if I'm the coach, I'm having that guy, um, that punter, throw some balls in practice. You know, I mean, I, I don't want that to let that talent go to waste. And I think that plays into, you know, that kind of uh, uh, trick sort of play call. Yeah, and I agree here. And and just to throw some stats at you here too, Ryan and all the listeners out there, I was only punted 23 times as far. That's the lowest in the Big Ten and only 120th in the nation, which is just incredible. Just thinking about this here uh, as far as numbers go, we've never punted more than five times in a game, especially coming off two straight games with only two punts. So, I think that's just a ridiculous stat compared to last year being able to drive the ball and uh, and score on most opportunities. Yeah, and Ryan, and one of those other things, you know, kind of like I alluded to earlier, you know, we we've done it before, you know, as you saw in the that Ohio State game that I mentioned, um, and I think we'll see it again. And just to close it out here, Gary from Cresco, our friend from Cresco named Gary, we apologize we didn't get to your question this week about the effect Iowa on Iowa playing on a national turf. Uh, honestly, I don't think that there's going to be much, much difference coming from playing at Kinnick uh, to over there at Penn State. Uh, so I think that this is going to be just fine. We're going to yeah, be just I, fine. I think the biggest difference there comes in cleat length. I think you saw that a little bit in the Rose Bowl where we were slipping and sliding around a little bit wearing those turf um, inserts. So, um, yeah, I feel like that'll be taken care of, and I don't see that being an issue. Well, I guess that's all we got for a mailbag, guys. Excellent questions. Love to have, you know, kind of a litany of things to review and look at for us to debate on a weekly basis, which is super fun. So if you haven't got a question in, if you're curious about what our thoughts are on uh, different issues surrounding the University of Iowa Hawkeyes, let us know. Um, Comment on our Facebook. And tune in for the game this weekend. That's right, and speaking of, the game this weekend will be held on ESPN, 2.30 p.m. Sorry, I just stole Bo's segment there, but we can go ahead and finish her off. Yep, we're going to see the Hawks play at Beaver Stadium, white out for Penn State. Hopefully the Hawks come away with a good conference win. And then also, boys, we're going to be enjoying some tall boys during the weekend because in heaven there are no beers. Go Hawks. (laughs) Go Hawks. Go Hawks.